Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Let's go to the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline. Talk to Dr. O'Malley. There he is. What's up, Doc? How are you? I'm good. Thanks, guys. Um, all right. So let's talk about uh, baseball injuries. We were just talking about baseball mm-hmm. celebrations and baseball accusations. Let's talk about uh, Mike Trout and his hamate bone, which you've talked about this injury before. Did Arkansas have a guy like that recently? Anyway, pretty common injury, I guess, yeah, for baseball they guys, had right? One last year, okay. I can't remember who it was. All right. Yes. So what's the what's the process there? What's the length of time expected to be? Yeah, so you can try to get it to heal. You see this in baseball players. You also see it in golfers too. And the hamate, it's the hook of the hamate, and so it's a little bony prominence that comes off and can be fractured pretty easily. It's normally from the vibration of the baseball bat. Um, and so you can try to treat it without surgery, but a lot of times you have, they end up, particularly in professional players, and and uh, for the Razorback player last year, you go in and cut that out. You just cut that little piece of bone out that's broken, and then they can come back to play whenever they can physically play, which is normally three or four weeks. They're back playing after that. So um, I know they put Trout on what the ten day, mm-hmm. not the dis- it's not the disabled list anymore. It's the unable to. What do they call it now? Physically, the pup list. Yes, um, but my guess would be it's got to be longer than that. Ten days is probably not going to be long enough. Well, the good news um, for him. Treated with that. Sorry, Doc. The good news is he gets the no, All Star break too, so yeah. that's good. The right. story I just read yeah. said they expect him to be out four to eight weeks. Ooh. Yeah, that, that's a more realistic timeline. What I Dang. saw the report yesterday was like ten days. I'm like, that's not enough time for him to to come back, even with the All Star break. Sheesh. So. Oh. On the unsponsored text line, someone wrote in said it was Casey Martin had the handmate injury. That was yes. a while back. Yeah, uh, and there's there's nothing you can do to prevent this, or you know, you, you see all the technology, the pads, and you know, there's it, there's just nothing. It, it happens so often. You would think there would be something they could do. It's really not as often as you think. You hear about it, but I mean, think about all the players playing baseball and how often you really hear about it happening. It's not that common. The good thing is, from a from a baseball recovery standpoint, it's it's a reasonable recovery, and, and they do well once you excise that piece of bone. But a lot of it's just the repetitive trauma, right? They're taking so many in batting practice and during games. There's so much force on that little bitty bone that let's just be honest, God didn't make our hands to be hitting a baseball however many times Mike Trout hit a baseball. Mm. <laughs> so it's just a repetitive, and that's the problem. Is it's normally not. Um, one incident, it's a lead-up to that incident to finally break it. Speak, uh, stick, sticking with baseball and the Angels, uh, the same game, Otani goes out with a blister. And, and and the manager was saying that he had a split fingernail, and so he put some uh, super glue on the nail to hold it together, and some of that glue had run off and it was on the edge of his finger, and that was causing the skin and the baseball to rub together and created a blister on Otani's finger. Uh, is that the best way to uh, handle a split nail? That is a. Uh, I don't take care of hands very often, um, but I would say I mean I think it's reasonable to try. Otani's a beast, though, for him to just continue to try to play through. Um, all that with the split nail. But, yeah, you try to just protect it the best that you can. But for a baseball player, you can't wrap it. You can't put anything, particularly for a pitcher from a grip standpoint. So you're going to have to try to glue that nail if you're going to try to allow him to continue to get the grip strength that he needs to be able to throw the ball well. I saw a uh, story on uh, on sports injuries. And in uh, because of pickleball, 
pickleball sports injuries are expected to rise to a cost of $500 million in the U.S. this year. Why are you looking at me? What What are the uh, pickleball injuries that you're dealing with? Yeah, so you see, I mean, you can see torn ACLs. The benefit of pickleball on life, like tennis, is that there, there's just not as much running involved. And so you don't have as, we don't see the volume that you see, but you can see ACLs, you can see, uh, you can see ankle fractures. It's rare. You can see a lot of ankle sprains. Um, and then um, the shoulder injuries, most of that's just overused and that home gets better. But, yeah, the more people are playing these sports, we see it with all of the – and pickleball to me is not a fad. I think it stays around. But, like, when P90X was the big workout plan, I had plenty of P90X injuries. Um, and it's always whatever the newest thing in uh, CrossFit, um, we always seem to see a bunch of that, and then it kind of dies off, and the next thing kind of flares up. People are staying active. They're going to get hurt with something, and that's what we're here for to take care of. Mm. Is there uh, something that uh, Acre and the pickleballers should be doing to uh, prevent some of these injuries? Uh, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just making sure that they're just doing a generalized workout, getting stretched out before they go play. A lot of this is freak accidents, and so you can try to do, and we've tried to study, for example, in soccer players, that there are, certain, there are actual um, an exercise program we can put our soccer players through to minimize their risk of ACL. But the problem is the amount of, of athletes that need to do that to, to keep one ACL from tearing is a lot. And that's the same thing. It's, it's just try to stay as strong as you can from, an, from a pickleball standpoint, um, getting in the gym prior to playing if you can. Um, but there are going to be some injuries, and we're happy to, to take care of them when they occur. And most of the time, they don't need surgery. They just need some therapy and potentially anti-inflammatories to get them back out plan. Yeah, we're talking to Dr. O'Malley from UAMS. We just tuned in on the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline. We talk, you know, typically talk about when we're talking tennis, we're talking like you know tennis elbow or injuries. I, I'm always thinking upper body body injuries. We don't talk a lot about you know knees and things mm-hmm. like that. I saw Venus got it looked like maybe a minor hyperextension or something the other day before she lost in mm-hmm. straight sets. What's the most common lower body injury for tennis? The most common is going to be like a muscle strain. You get a lot of quad strains and calves, uh, hamstring strains. Um, But in terms of like what – and so from my standpoint as an orthopedic surgeon, a lot of that doesn't get to us. The therapists end up taking care of that, and trainers end up treating most of that prior to it ending up in our office. Um, and what we see, a lot of ankle sprains, uh, we see in, in tennis, you see, for me, from a knee standpoint, I see meniscus tears um, in knees. Um, most of them are horrible, but you can see that. And then from time to time, you do see ACLs um, and cartilage injuries in the knee, but those are much more rare. But the most common injury is going to be a muscle strain, but most of that not even ending up in our office because people rehab that prior to coming to see us. We've seen some pretty good slips on the on the Wimbledon grass here. Um, and you see guys, obviously it's part of the, the process when you're playing on clay too. Is there, do you find more injuries from any particular surface when it comes to tennis? Yeah. When you have those slicker surfaces, um, particularly on like the clay courts, you can have a lot of ankle sprains just from rolling that ankle as they're sliding around. Um, if you're playing at that high competitive level, you have tennis elbow. Do you have pickleball elbow? Uh, not that I know of, but. Maybe we can see if we can diagnose it at some point. I think pickleball. Maybe Justin's at it. I've hurt my Maybe shoulder. Maybe that's what you have, Wes. Have you been playing pickleball? No. You your elbows off. I have not. I have not. No, I self-diagnosed it. You were right. I, I strained my uh, triceps. What do you call it? Pickleball elbow. I mean, term, term that since we don't have – we have tennis elbow and golfer's elbow. I'm, we well, don't I'm, have pickleball elbow. But. My elbow never hurts. My shoulder sometimes gets tired or sore after smashing a lot of pickleball shots, but <laughs> – my elbow never hurts. But you don't you don't hit it the same way. Like I don't hit it like, you know. You don't have that like uh, Doc. What's that called? 
the rotation. Torque. No, the rotation of your wrist. Like you see, you know, tennis people. That's you know, kind of roll your wrist over, roll mm-hmm. your roll your arm over as you're hitting a shot. I don't do that in pickleball. Right, it's more kind like ping pong. Internally rotating, yeah, yeah. to get the get the ball the ball to spin. Yeah, that's why I like playing pickleball over tennis because I can't get the ball to spin in tennis like it needs to. Yeah, so I figured I figured there'd be like some kind of fancy term like ulnar rotation or something. I don't know what the heck. Uh, it'd be more uh, of supination over or pronation. You're pronating over. There you go, pronating. Together. I knew there'd be something. Yeah. Thank you, <clears throat> uh, Doc. Today is National Fried Chicken Day. We have a poll going on our website um, or our Twitter, rather. It won't shock you that fried chicken is winning by a pretty good margin in this part of the country and probably all over the world because it is so delicious. Mm. Fried, baked, smoked, or grilled. What's your go-to on chicken? Ooh, uh, I do like. I do like some smoked, but it's got to be wings if I'm going to do something smoked. Mm-hmm. Fried, I mean, you can't go wrong. I, I'm from Memphis, so Gus is fried chicken. Uh, you can't go wrong with that. Um, it all just depends on what I'm in the mood for, but smoked or, or fried. Okay. No grilled and no baked. We we just, we just all decided baked was last last resort. Baked is definitely last. I mean, we, we do a lot of uh, grilled, like, chicken pies. Yeah. It's great. Um, but it's... Uh, I, if I'm if if I'm really wanting one good, I think smoked is going to give me a little more flavor, and then I'm fried depending on who's making it. As long as it's got a good batter, Wes, I think I think you should follow in Doc's footsteps. You know, he normally comes on to talk about orthopedic issues, but I think he's right on point for a guy who's afraid to grill chicken. Mm-hmm. The good thing about the thigh is you got some nice fat content in there, so oh, less likely to he's he's afraid of uh, over overcooking. overcooking or undercooking. Nope. Yeah, so I got much better at grilling recently because I bought there's a, a, a thermometer called the Meter, M E A T E R, and it's awesome. And it goes to your phone and it tells you when to pull the chicken before it's completely done. So it cooks to the proper temperature and it's like made me as a griller much better. I don't over undercook anything. I know, and of all so, the people I, mean, I know, I would have figured Wes of all people knew how, when to pull the chicken. Yeah, <laughs> shocking. <laughs> Anyway, all right, Doc. Well, thanks. The meter, Wes. The there you meter. go. There's a great. I like uh, that. When's your birthday? Uh, March. Should know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christmas present. You're getting mm-hmm. a meter. There you go. M e a t e r. Thanks, Doc. I appreciate that. Gift ideas. Yeah, yeah try that. It's awesome. Yep. Grill tips and orthopedics. You get it all from Doctor O'Malley. Very well-rounded segment today, Doc. I appreciate it. Um, we'll work on our pronation and our supination. Oh, can I ask him one? We just got uh, from the uh, unsponsored text line. Go ahead. Uh, exercises to help with degenerative uh, disc disease. Uh, most of that's going to be strengthening of like the lumbar spine. Um, sorry, that's the lower back and a lot of the muscle strengthening. I will tell you, I'm not the expert when it comes to back, but when they're due for, for degenerative disc, disc disease, you're not going to resolve that degeneration. But what you're trying to do is strengthen the muscles to essentially get the spine better aligned to offload because those discs put pressure on the nerves or you're trying to get the pressure off the nerves to resolve the, the pain that you're having in your back. So a lot of it is the lower lower back exercises, and that's what therapists will really help improve patients with uh, degenerative disc disease. There you go. Doc, thanks it for so much for uh, the time today. Again, if you need Doc or any of his cohorts, uamshealth.health slash orthopedics and uh, several locations around. And you can also call and get the same or next day appointments, 501-526-1046. Doc, thank you very much. Appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.